0: Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined, as always, by Will Schroeder, my friend and founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, we just crossed an important milestone. This episode, maybe the last one, maybe the one before, honestly, who knows at this point, but we have done more than 200 episodes of Startup Therapy, which seems insane.
1: There are some people that have listened to every single episode. We make the episodes, and we've never listened to every single episode. (laughs) (laughs) And what's interesting to me is, at this point, if someone's listened to 200 episodes, they've listened to hundreds of hours of us, Ryan. Hundreds of hours of us droning
0: on. I'm expecting requests for reparations any day now.
1: Oh my gosh, if you're listening, if this is your 200th episode, you are officially our best friend. Why? (laughs) Because you've spent more time with us than most of our friends have. So, So welcome, friends, to the 200th episode.
0: Wow. Yeah, it does seem like quite a milestone. All right. So today we're, we're going to talk about, as always, something that, that happens a lot in Foundertown as founders we are never really short on ideas about where to go what to do next and often that coincides with a startup we're currently running right so we're running something and we have another idea and we start to think about how cool it would be to go and do that instead right you know jump out of the pan and into the fire and run for the greener grass near the side of the fence and what have you so how often does that actually work out when we decide to go on and do the next one, the next one, the next one, and even as repeat founders, what are the odds? And How clearly are they in our favor?
1: They suck. The odds are really bad. And, and what we're going to talk about today is what are the chances that if I have a success, even if I don't think it's that much of a success, that if I have a success and I say to myself, you know what? I could probably do better on the next one. So let me get out of this thing and go to the next one. What is the probability and what is the general history of how well that works? And in the TLDR, you know, spoiler alert, is that it usually goes pretty poorly. But let me tee this one up because this actually was inspired by a friend of mine who's a a regular listener to the show. And we're at dinner and we're talking about this amazing success that he has in his company. hes I know he's listening, so this is you, buddy. And we are talking about how, you know, what his next deal would be or things like that. And I said, you know, this is going to sound odd, but this statistically is probably the best thing you'll ever do. And he's fairly young. He's been at this for a long time. He's built a great business, hundreds of millions in revenue, all this great stuff. But the reality is the probability of doing this twice or ever is really low. And no one ever stops to tell you, right, at a dinner like this, Ryan, where they're like, you know, buddy. this might be and probably will be the last time you ever get to this point. And it seems weird, right? Because doesn't it feel like, Ryan, doesn't it feel like if we've done it once, we should be able to do it at least as well the the next time?
0: Yeah, I mean, unless you're the Cubs and you're trying to win the World Series. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's just not how it works, right? I mean, the, the statistics are very clear on this, that previous success doesn't ensure Future success, it, it barely even shifts the odds, right? You, you cited a stat, and I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you spit it out, but you, you cited a stat before the show around what the probability of even somebody who's gone all the way to taking a company public, how well they fare on their next startup. And it's not pretty. You might as well go play the ponies.
1: It's kind of a dated stat, but it was a pretty in-depth Harvard Business Review overview of how well repeat founders have done. And roughly what it said was, I'm not, and, and I'm approximating, roughly what it said was for those that went, like you said, Ryan, to public companies, like, dude, by far the most successful you could possibly be, which puts you in the most rarefied air there is, right? You know, short of being billionaire status, all those things tend to come uh, hand in hand. Yep,
0: they tend to go together.
1: Of the most successful founders that were venture funded, all these great things. Out of that, of them were successful on their next go-around. Not as successful, just straight up successful at all. And those are the best of the best of the best. What does that look like for the rest of us? Not very good. I'll share some stories. We've talked about this before, but the greatest success I had was my first company. This represents my ninth. I've never replicated that success since then. And I don't think people understand that, like why? I mean, you've been at this for a long time, dude. You build startups for a living. <laughs> you possibly you could possibly know, and you're building a startup about how to build startups. Like, how much more meta does it get? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I've done it before. It doesn't matter I have experience, etc. It helps, but there's so much more to repeat success that have nothing to do with past success. And I think that's what we should dig into today.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. It's such a challenge for so many founders because. They're looking at what they've already accomplished. And and in some cases, look, they're not even coming off success, right? They're just saying, look, I learned a lot from this first one, sometimes all through negative feedback, right? Like I made all the mistakes, ergo, I won't make them the next time. And that would be true if all of the potential and possible mistakes waiting for you were the same as the ones you went through the first time. And yet you and I know, having been through this a couple dozen times they tend to be different each time, right? There are some similarities. And yet when we try to predict the odds of future success based on what we've already done, whether through success and we want to leverage that success or through mistakes and learnings, we want to leverage those, it isn't really the straight math that we would hope it to be. And this leads a lot of people into jumping into what they assume will be an easier opportunity that just turns out to be the same shit show slog that the first one was, or the third one was, or the fifth one, or the 10th one, right?
1: You have a lot of parallels here. If we want to try to give some, some people analogies to attach to. Every musician has their best album. Every director has their best movie. Every actor has their best movie. Every athlete has their best championship, right? They didn't win them all. They were clearly the best at that moment. But what people fail to understand is this isn't a linear path. It's not like if I did the best the first time, the conditions for being the best just keep
0: repeating. They actually don't. I graduated a successful founder, and I can never go back. Right? doesn't work that way.
1: And I think where this blows us up is, particularly early in our careers, because we have nothing to compare it to, we don't understand that maybe an early success that we've had is so damn hard to replicate. Okay, and we'll get back to that in a second. You know, we'll talk about how hard it, all those things have to come into. But let's just talk about more of our mindset at the time. Our mindset at the time when things are going well is, yeah, this was hard, twist, turns, all these crazy things. But like anything in life, if I've done it once, it stands to reason that I can do it again. So that's where the logic starts. The second is, this is now my baseline of success. If, if I've done it this well, I'll have to do at least better because at everything else in life that's kind of how it works.
0: Yeah, this isn't a growth chart though, right? Just because you reach four exactly. foot six doesn't mean you can't go back to three foot two, right? Like it doesn't work that way at all.
1: We talked about this before. We said, if this was being in grade school, it would be like being able to go from first grade to 12th grade and then spend the rest of your like life in second grade and never getting past it, right? <laughs> and again, we can't even comprehend Happens. that. Yeah. And so when early in our careers, early in our careers, we're sitting there and we're like, okay, all I've known is success. Again, I'll take myself. You went through a similar situation where I'm in my 20s. I go from broke kid coming out of welfare to millionaire kid, right? Like Overnight. And so in my mind, not that I wasn't grateful, nothing like that. I just didn't know anything different.
0: Yeah. This is how it works. I apply myself and I get this outcome. I apply myself and I get this outcome, right?
1: Yep. Didn't have another version of life to compare it to. It's the only one I had going. So that ends up going pretty well. But I head into my 30s and now I'm thinking, well, dude, I mean, come on. If that was my freshman effort, right? And this isn't me being like arrogant about it, it's just logical. Obviously, if I've done this
0: well once, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this again and again. And oh again.
1: my God. I go into my 30s and holy cow, what a splash of ice cold water on my face, right? I start my next thing, and I'm like guns blazing, ready to build and scale. And year one goes by, like nothing happens. Year two goes by, it goes 8% better. Year three goes by, and I'm like, what the hell, man? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And now you fast forward over a career of 30 years and nine startups, and now I get it. Now when I'm sitting across from my friend, like, like we talked about at the top of the show, and he's talking about it with the success he's had. He's in his mid-30s. He's worked really hard. He has an incredible company. It's like I'm I'm jumping in that time machine that we always talk about, Ryan. We're like, we're yeah. going to go back and kind of talk to ourselves. And we had that conversation. If you could zoom back, if you could talk to 22-year-old Ryan, knowing what you know now, what would you say?
0: By Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, start like- a thing by Google. Uh, outside, yeah, actually, it would be interesting because I, I think I would definitely revisit. That was right around the point. It was, it was the year after I had sold the first company. And I would probably question whether or not that that sale was actually the right move at the time. In hindsight, there was more value that could have been added there. I could have grown that valuation significantly higher. And I could have either held or sold it at a, at a different multiple than what I did. right? I was satisfied with the multiple that I had because, again, I had nothing to compare it to. And the amount of money that I was offered sounded like well, it was to me all the money in the world at that point, right? It was exponentially more money than I'd ever had, and I was going to be able to pay out um, all of my staff, and and it was going to be it was going to be great, and then I could go on and do the next thing, right? And to be honest, and we both talked about this, I was definitely done with the type of work that I was doing within that company from from a day to day standpoint. Like, I didn't want to be doing that work anymore, and so that part wouldn't go away. That part wouldn't change. I built that company opportunistically. It wasn't like I always dreamed of solving this problem for people. Somebody approached me in a hallway and was like, hey, could you fix this for us? Like, sure. you you know, pay me? Okay, cool. Let's keep doing that. Rinse and repeat. I so okay. sort of accidentally built the business. And so in that regard, I think there's two things I would tell 22-year-old Brian is be more careful about what you build next time so that you don't end up inside something you don't want to be inside. Be more deliberate about what you build in the first case. And be very clear and very willing to stay with it longer than you think necessary, and be willing to avoid those distractions of the the next shiny object. Because very much like like your case, I went on to do another couple of things that worked out in in some cases and were abject failures in others, but never achieved that same level of success. The next couple, right? There, there were things later, but at that point, those were just like base hits compared to the initial home run. And so I thought, like, I. I don't even have to play baseball anymore. I just get invited to home run derbies. This is all I have to do now. All right. I just hit balls just out of the park, that easy. Right. Then I was forced to bunt a couple of times. And I'm like, wait a second. And this is where my baseball knowledge ends. I can't do that any further. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, it's such an interesting process, right? Because you assume, right? Because 22 year old Ryan, here's the fun part, right? 22 year old Ryan's response would have been like, dude, like, just crushed it on that. What are you talking about? I'm going to have three or four, five, six, maybe all of the rest of the startup companies that ever do. are never going to achieve that same level of success. I never, I never would have believed that at that age. Right. The hubris at that point was fueled by, by the exit too. I think that's the other problem.
1: You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you which means the answer already exists you may just not know it but that's okay that's kind of what we're here to do we talk about this stuff on the show but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com so if any of this sounds familiar stop guessing about what to do let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it and so stick with that. Like You're in that mentality, and you don't know any better. You know who doesn't have this problem? Founders in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, because they definitely know better. You've got yeah. two things happening at that point. One, you've got your own experience, right? So you've got your own experience of having now had some successes, some failures. You realize how hard they are to replicate. But more importantly, you saw your friends do it, right? That one friend that at 28 looked like they were going to crush everything, and she was going to take over the world. And now she's like loaded in debt. You never hear from her again. She's like a cautionary tale in the the startup world, right? The tales that we tell because we've lived them. Now you've actually seen that. It's really hard to appreciate how easy it is to fail when you haven't really seen much failure yet. But holy cow, you start to get a couple reps on that one, and the success becomes way more valuable, way more valuable.
0: You quickly get busted back down from the four star general into just the grizzled, non-commissioned officer, right? That The one in every war movie who just knows the answers to everything, knows all the stories, right? And has all the scars to show for right? That's what you become. And again, it's not a linear progression, right? Just because you jumped a couple of ranks to begin with doesn't mean you get to stay there. Right? You are more likely, statistically, to be demoted back down to a lower rank within the startup world than the one that you just achieved or the one that you're achieving right now. And I think that's a big part of what we want to talk about today, Will, is that you're in a startup right now. Right? Whatever you're doing, to whatever degree of success you have, the chances that you replicate that on the next go-round for the people who are working on startups right now, don't get distracted guys. Stay the course again, not beyond beyond the point of reason, right? You know, don't go well beyond where it was trying to fold tents or anything like that, but be really careful about jumping because you see something else shinier, right? If your thing is obviously headed to the bottom of the sea, bail out, right? Jump ship. It's good. It's time to go. But if you're still afloat on the sea of startups and you're like, oh, Maybe I'll just you know, jump off and swim to that cruise ship over there. The chances that you make it are so slim, so slim.
1: Right. And look, in, in by all means, if it's the right opportunity, it's the right opportunity. However, let's dig into like, how badly people make the bet of future success. And I hate to use a gambling analogy, but it just feels apropos. Startups are not gambling, right? Startups are based on fortune and hard work. Gambling is based on luck, right? That's not what we're talking about. But bear with me. Let's say that you're at the blackjack table. You've never played blackjack before. In the first hand you get is an ace and a king. You now have blackjack. There's a 99% chance you're going to win, right? And what you say to yourself is, huh, blackjack's not hard. I got it once. I'll probably get it again. Now, let's get into the mechanics of where the analogy breaks down a little bit, but where this is just generally true. Just think about like this. If you have any version of a successful startup right now. I'm not talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm nope. talking about you're still in business. <laughs> yeah. You can, you've got Even more than a month business. of runway. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have the startup equivalent of Ace King right now, okay? Now, again, there's versions of that, you know, maybe your hand's not quite as good. But where we make the most junior mistake, I've made it, Ryan, you've made it, and a bunch of people listening are probably about to make it.
0: I don't even know what the mistake is yet, but I can say yes. I'm sure I made it. I here it agree. comes. Yep. If this hand
1: is this good, I must be this good. And therefore, oh, yeah. there must be more hands to come.
0: <laughs> now, so,
1: let's talk about why that argument just falls to shit almost every single time. Statistically, not your fault. Just stats don't work for you. In order for your next hand, if we're kind of beating up this metaphor here, in order for your next hand, your next startup to work, a whole bunch of things have to happen that you have a very limited amount of control over. Let's walk through. Number one, you have to figure out exactly what the right product is at exactly the right time with exactly the right team with exactly the right capital environment, either bootstrapped or raising to support it and see it through. What are the probabilities that the next thing you do are going to check all four boxes to make it successful? (laughs) I can tell you.
0: Really freaking low. You know what I mean. Even if they were went public, we know it's thirty percent or less, right? So yes. This yeah. is The thing, right? It's <laughs> it's a series of compounding probabilities, which just makes your odds smaller and smaller and smaller. And
1: talk about that. You said compounding probabilities. And I think that's a powerful point. Can you expand that?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I mean, like, if if you have each one of those things has some level of certainty applied to it, right? So this is just using straight mathematics, but it does apply here. So you know, if you've got a 50% chance of getting the the market right, and a 50% chance of getting the team right, you're already at 25% odds right out of the gate, right? And as you keep making decisions, choices and facing other market conditions, It just gets smaller and smaller and small. Right now, of course, there are things that we do to thumb the scale and to fix those odds and to turn things in our favor. Assuming the economy is not taking a giant shit on itself like it is right now and lots of other things that happen outside of our control. There are a number of things that we can control. We pick the team. We can't control their performance. We can try to encourage it right it's people it's humans and humans make mistakes and humans change and humans you know don't always live up to the expectations we have for them so there's so many things that are outside of our control not least of which the fact that the rules of the game unless you are building exactly the same startup you just built in which case what are you doing? Uh, one, number two, <laughs> We're just that easy, everything right? is going to be different, right? Literally, you know, I would say out of the, the startups I've built, well, I'd be curious to get your take on this, but there's maybe like 25 to 30% transferable knowledge from one to the next. And the rest of it is like as close to pure unknown as possible. I mean, that is the nature of a startup, right? We're building something that never existed.
1: And look at, take companies that do exist and there are no longer startups, public companies. And watch their stock tickers over a five-year period and watch all those peaks and watch all those valleys, right? Those are all representations of how much uncertainty there are in businesses that are already certain, right? Facebook, for example, this is 2023 when we're recording this episode at the beginning of 2023, Facebook stock is down 75% from where it was like a year or so ago, right? Ouch. Now, that's a business Mark Zuckerberg's been running forever right? He understands the business. He's still Mark. He has more connections, knowledge and everything else than he's ever had. And yet the business is down 75%. Well, why? Okay. Because we had a delayed recession because the ad market imploded because he made some bad bets, metaverse and everything else at the time.
0: Hey, he might be doing really well in the metaverse. Who knows? I'm not hanging out
1: there. <laughs> he's killing in the metaverse. If he ever comes back, it's a problem. But I guess what I'm saying is like, here's something where you have so many things that should be Boxes checked, but the world just doesn't work like that. So, when we look at here's what worked before, so I'm going to take this and I'm going to bring it to what's going to work next. What we've got to keep in mind that best case, and this is I'm being so optimistic here best case will maybe get 25% of the stuff from the last gig or the gig after that that we get to bring into the new gig. And we're like, oh, well, I'm bringing some of my team members over, or I'm bringing some of my investors over. Doesn't matter. If it were that simple, investors would just keep paying the same entrepreneur to build successful companies one after the other. It doesn't work,
0: This isn't a baking recipe where it's like, hey, look, I already have 50% of the ingredients I need for my next startup. No.
1: Yeah, it does not work. Okay, so let's take this a step further. So we all get the fact that even if I'm super successful, I go IPO that I've got a 30% chance of being successful in the next round. I get that what I love the way you put it, a bunch of compounding factors, right? That actually get worse as you combine more of those variants, right? So I know things aren't going with me. Cool, what do I do about it? How should I be thinking about this? You know, like, how do I think about, In Ryan, I'm gonna put this to you. If I know that I've got something going on, it's not as good as I maybe think it is, we never think it is, but I think I, I probably wanna jump to something else. What would you tell you?
0: Uh, Look, like, yeah, stay, stay where you are until you are sure that you've maximized the current opportunity and outcome, right? Like that whole thing of a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? I'm not trying to kill birds out here. But if I were... You go with that odds, right? You you go with the one in the hand, right? You stay where you are and you you finish the task at hand if the only reason that you're jumping is you think the other one's going to be a better opportunity, right? That's a better opportunity if every bit of that math works out exactly as you hope it will, and it never does, right? So we can be relatively certain that whatever you think that shiny ball you're about to chase over the fence into greener pastures is is likely not to be as shiny if you get your hands on it. And the thing that you leave behind was likely a better opportunity, just statistically speaking, because some of the uncertainty had been wrung out of the rag at that point. I think that's really the thing that's important to understand is that you may look at that and go, well, look the size of this new opportunity is so much different than the one I'm in now, right? There is so much more upside to this thing. Sure. If everything works out, but you're starting from a point of speculation on the new thing, whereas whatever you're working on now has some level of certainty, right? Maybe not full certainty, but even if you're at 25 or 30% certainty on, here are the things we now know about this business. Here are the things that we know aren't true, that we thought were true, and here's what we think we can go and do next based on that data. You don't have any of that with the new one. It's pure speculation, as you put it, it's running naked into the abyss once again, right? And just seeing what
1: happens. We also get a thing where we don't realize that in life, now I'm just talking about a liquidity standpoint or a personal wealth standpoint. In life, we're lucky if we get one and we're incredibly lucky if we get two like fortunate wealth event moments in our life. Wealth event moment being some pile of cash of any amount, any amount. And I think people really misunderstand that. Here's an example. I hear this all the time. Well, I only want to cash out if I get at least $30 $30 million. And we've done a whole episodes on this,
0: right? Won't move for 28. No, sir. No, sir. Exactly, right. exactly, right? And, <laughs> yes, and, and you will.
1: This argument kills me because I think to myself, number one, you realize that you don't get to necessarily make that determination. Now- Theoretically, do I'll hold out longer and I'll get that money. It doesn't exactly work that way. Right? I hold like, the
0: price sticker gun. I can put whatever <laughs> thing, like just gonna tag it and set it out by the by side. the by the end of the driveway and just wait for somebody to pick it up.
1: Right. And so in my mind, I've already won. And now the only question is how much I'm going to win. And part of that logic is true. Part of that logic is I've had success, right? I've gotten into this part. So I want to make sure I maximize the outcome. That actually is the right thought process. The wrong thought process is, and I can get whatever I
0: want. Right. I've set an arbitrary watermark and that's what I will cross before I take it. It's action.
1: always the wrong watermark. You know, I, I talked to founders and actually uh, me and the founder was talking about the top of the episode we're talking through. He's just such a great guy. And we're talking about like how much would be a lot. And I was like, you know how much is a lot? A million dollars. <laughs> and, now, 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 and, and he agreed, by the way, because he's good. He's just a smart guy. But I mean, he, he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So like, you know, his not here is, is very big. And, and I'm like, look, man, a couple things. And we've done whole episodes in this. If you don't have a million dollars, a million dollars is all the money in the world. The problem is you start doing this dumb math, which is, well, I need at least 30 million dollars to live off the interest. It's going to be 8% in the good market. And, blah, and this is <laughs> yeah. blah, whatever.
0: I love that calculation. And I'm like,
1: dude, if you put a million dollars in your bank account, you will solve 90% of life's problems, right? There are very few problems you'll run into in life that you can't solve with a million dollars of liquid cash at your disposal. I'm not saying that's the end of it. I'm not saying, you know, you never have to work again.
0: Do you know what an engine on a 200 foot mega yacht costs, Will, I can't solve.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't even fuel the jet. No, But what I'm trying to say is, as per this whole maximize the outcome, there is a fallacy where we try to maximize the outcome towards something that we probably won't even get.
0: Right.
1: Kind of over-maximizing the outcome. So it's kind of this balancing act where we're saying, hey, look, man, when you have something of value, don't let it go, right? On the other hand, you have something of value, be kind of mindful as to what it's actually going to be worth. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's so hard as a founder to strike that balance too, right? To not look at it and go, well, this is worthless, right? It's not doing what I want it to do. I have runway, but like, do I want to keep running? Oh, Hey, look at that thing over there. I want to go run after that instead. Cause that'll just be easier. It'll be better. It'll be bigger because I don't know all the challenges i only see the potential upsides at this point i've got my rose-colored glasses on and amazingly everything looks rosy and yet right the minute we start to do that we put ourselves into problematic territory same thing if we go the other direction and we're like this thing is is amazing this is worth you know 15 20x multiple of our best month ever which we haven't had for 18 months but hold that aside for a moment i need 30 million dollars so i can live off the interest and so that's what we're going to go get right? Either way, right? And yeah, look, anytime you do anything extreme, regardless of which direction you're doing it in, you run into trouble, right? But trying to strike that balance as a founder is insanely hard, right? We're expected to be super optimistic about the outcomes, but we're supposed to be extremely conservative about running the business and making sure that it stays afloat. And so how do you reconcile those things? And the answer is you just try to aim for the middle, right? <laughs> try, to be, try to be reasonable in all things. Here's what
1: I always say, treat this as it's your last outcome, your last exit, because statistically it is. And that's really what we're talking about, right? Treat this as it's, you're going to be your last outcome. There's two ways you can look at that. One way you can look at that and go, well, yeah, but that kind of tethers me to this thing while it rides to the bottom of the ocean, right? Sure. But at least you know what it is, right? Kind of the devil, you know, the other side of it is, well, damn, there's a lot of other things that I could be doing. You know, there's this new opportunity, a thing called crypto now, and that's obviously only going to make money, right? Maybe. All
0: right. Pointing to pick on crypto. But. So, many, so many tweets on that topic that just haven't aged very well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, my point is, there is a threshold where, sure, we're giving up some future opportunity, but we have to think in this capacity. We have to think in the capacity that this is our one shot. This is the one hand where we got the ace king. This is our one hand. And there statistically probably won't be another. So do we want to be the founder that threw it all away to try to chase the next hand, or do we want to be the founder that cashed in as much as we can on this hand so we don't have to play again? All right, so that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.